This episode is brought to you by The Hartford, a leading provider of employee benefits and income protection products that is dedicated to standing behind U.S. workers to help them pursue their goals and get through tough times. For more information about The Hartford, visit thehartford.com slash employee benefits. We've also got a link in our show notes. I'm Nora McNerney, and this is Terrible Thanks for Asking. The conversation about mental health and mental illness has come a long way in recent years. When I was a kid, way back in the 20th century, we didn't talk about it, or at least not in Minnesota, or at least not in my family. I've heard that from a lot of our listeners, that you grew up thinking that whatever was going on inside your head was just you. I was in my 30s before I even considered taking my mental health remotely seriously. My 30s, I truly, and I don't regret this because I think it's important to show your own evolution, your own thought process. I wrote a whole chapter in my first book, It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, about how I didn't need therapy after my husband died. Cringe. I am cringing right now. Anyway, the conversation has evolved. Our language has evolved, our understanding has evolved to a point, depending on who you are. It's very, I hate to say trendy, that's not the right word, but it's definitely more acceptable for pretty white influencers to get online and talk about how they have anxiety or depression. It's acceptable to share this kind of thing as long as your illness and your behavior falls into the bounds of what the culture tells you is acceptable. And there are some things that are just still outside of the bounds of most people's understanding and compassion. There are some mental illnesses that are not so easily accepted and that are still really scary to people who don't have them. Illnesses that make the person seem, you know, quote, crazy. Illnesses where people might not want to associate themselves with you, that people can use as a reason to write you off or discredit you. Today's guest, Bertina, has one of those. So borderline personality disorder is a personality disorder where you have a hard time with relationships. So you have a hard time with just like navigating relationships. You have a hard time with your interpersonal self. So your own personality, the things that come with your identity as well. Um, And some people would say, which I completely agree with this analogy is borderlines like a roller coaster. So it's like a very quick roller coaster. Like it's not like a prolonged, like high and then a prolonged low, like bipolar is. It's more like this moment to moment thing. So even in the course of a day, for example, I could go from being sad to thinking about something and contemplating and then being happy to then feeling empowered, to then feeling destroyed, to then feeling rejected. All in the course of like, not even like a day, sometimes it's an hour, an hour and a half. Some people will say that there is a difference in people with BPD brain versus a uh, quote unquote normal brain. And that one of the differences is we have a higher level of cortisol um, at more times than just when we're stressed. So it kind of feels like we're always stressed as well. I came across Bertina's Instagram profile in 2020. We had some mutuals who shared her Instagram content about her diagnosis and about what it's like living with a personality disorder. This is one of her Instagram videos. 
still wondering what BPD is? Borderline personality disorder, or BPD, is a mental illness that centers around the inability to effectively manage one's emotions. This disorder occurs in the context of relationships with others. People with BPD have trouble regulating their emotions, thoughts, and sense of self. Bipolar and BPD are not the same. Bipolar is a mood disorder. BPD is a personality disorder. That kind of content was new to Bertina, even though her BPD diagnosis wasn't. Bertina had been posting for years about the mental illnesses that she knew from experience were more mainstream, more acceptable. Like, I was just like, depression and anxiety show. Like, it was really like, I really was like really trying to avoid it. And then I think I made like, I made a post with it in the middle that I buried a little bit. And then I just kind of like realized that there were some people that were commenting that were like, oh, wow, I've never seen a black girl with BPD. Like other black girls, they were like, I've never seen a black girl with BPD before. Like, thank you for sharing. And then it just kind of all came out. Like I like had posted a video of what the tail end of like one of my BPD episodes looks like. Like when I'm self-soothing, I kind of talked about some of the lesser known uh, symptoms of BPD, which are things like uh, sexual repulsion, over-sexualization of other people. Um, Favorite person. Favorite person is kind of like when you end up focusing in on one person and that person's like your everything, your favorite person. It doesn't even have to be like a significant other. It can be a friend. It can be a parent. It can be a stranger sometimes, but like you just focus in on that person and you put them on this pedestal where if they do anything to kind of like change like your fantasy of them, it just does a lot of trauma like to your relationship with them as well as to like your thoughts and feelings about people you should trust in the future. Another one is uh, the child state part of BPD. So it's like there are some times where I'll be with especially my partner and if I have like a tantrum or something, it kind of mimics and looks like like a five-year-old's tantrum, like I'll flail and do stuff like that. Um, I have like a baby voice that I use constantly with my partner as well. And so, yeah, like those are things I just started sharing online. It took a long time for Bertina to get to the point where she could talk about this stuff publicly on social media. And it also took her a long time to get diagnosed, at least professionally, because As a kid, she just knew that she was too much, that she didn't react to things the way other kids did. When I was a child, like, I loved to entertain. Like, I would, like, get my sisters together. Like, I would have them do different choreography for my family, our friends, and everything like that. And then um, when I got a little older, I was more shy and reserved, I would always make friends very easily, but it was hard for me to keep friends or keep friendships. I'd randomly like, um, I always had to feel like somebody was on my side. And I make jokes about this to this day. If me and my friends were split up in a game of like dodgeball or something like that at class, uh, we used to, we actually had a game called Gaga Ball at the school I went to. And so if we were split up during Gaga Ball, then you'd have me on one side and my friends on the other. At the end of that game, like for a week, I wouldn't talk to my friends. Like I was like, them not being on the same side of me was so serious to me. And I didn't really notice 
until later on. Um, cause I'm still that way with things at times, but I didn't notice that that was just like a feeling of abandonment. And it was a feeling of like trauma bonding as well as like me just kind of like having these people be my favorite person and them not being on my side. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, I don't like them anymore. Mm. How is that different from the way your friends understood Gaga ball or dodgeball? Oh yeah. They're like, oh, sorry, Bertina. Sorry we like beat you in the game. Like, like you want to go to lunch? And I'm like, no, like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Like, I'll see ya. I'll see you around. Like, it was just like, they were very much like, okay. <laughs> like I, when I look back now, some of my friends, I remember them, like their facial reactions were just confused. Like they're like, all right. Uh, don't know why she's mad, but she's mad about something. So no, it was, it was a different reaction that they had. It's the early 2000s and Bertina is wondering why she's different from other kids why her feelings are so big. So she turns to the place we all turned, down in the basement or in the computer room, using a desktop that our entire family also used. The internet. I think I was just feeling pretty bad about myself. And so like, I like, just remember typing in like, someone who can't keep friends and somebody who like, has outbursts like within friend groups, like, what's wrong with this person. And like a bunch of like things came up, but then like borderline personality disorder came up and I was like, Oh, what is that? And the first thing was just like this little quizlet to like check off like some of the criteria at the time. So this would have been in early two thousands. The criteria has changed since, but I just like saw each question. I remember just going like, Oh yep, Oh yep. That's me. Oh wow. That's me as well. Oh, that's me too. And I got like, it was like 10 out of 10. But I just remember at the time, like not thinking it was that big of a deal just because I didn't understand mental illness at all. It was something we didn't really talk about at all in my family. Yeah. And also it's like, you're 12, you know, I don't know, in the 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, like we really did not believe that mental health was a thing for children. Like kids had feelings, sure. But even then, it's like uh, maybe there were a few very lucky like families or children that were really, you know, emotionally literate. Not mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not mine either. Did you take that quiz because you were just curious or because you felt like there might be something wrong with you or like you just felt different from other people. I definitely felt like there was something wrong with me, but like it wasn't really from like my family. It was from the outside world. You know, like I took the quiz because of like how school was. I took the quiz because of how teachers always told me like I needed to grow thicker skin because I would just cry out of nowhere in class. Like cry if like somebody did the smallest thing to me, I just burst into tears, you know? And so that's why I took the quiz, but Um, I didn't really feel that out of place with my family. Sometimes I felt like I was more the caretaker at times with my family. But when I look back, I always am just like amazed that most of my um, self trauma and my trauma with having BPD actually came from like the outside world. 
Bertina scores a 10 out of 10 on that quiz, but Bertina is also 12. She doesn't understand what borderline personality disorder actually is yet. But those feelings of mental instability continue as she gets older. And as a quick heads up, we are putting a warning here for pretty much all of the major mental health triggers. You can just go ahead and skip ahead, like, you know, 15 seconds or so. When she's in seventh grade, Bertina begins engaging in self-harm. She develops what she describes as a sexual addiction after being assaulted by a middle school classmate. She starts drinking in ninth grade, is smoking by 10th. Her romantic relationships are often tumultuous and sometimes even physically violent. Did not know what was wrong with me. Like, was called crazy by all my ex-boyfriends. Like, I keyed some cars. I kicked a side mirror off an ex-boyfriend's car before. Just done some very... (laughs) I feel bad that you laughed because then it made me laugh. Because I really really try to have... Like, I really am like half remorseful, half like, wow, that was like, I had a strong kick, you know, like, and I'm giving you a snippet of like the fact that from taking that quiz when I was around 12 years old, there's still, it's still not being talked about. Nothing's being done. 19 had my first panic attack, went to the doctors. That's when I said, well, when I was 12, I took this quiz on BPD. You think that it could be it? They're like, you got anxiety. And I was like, oh, okay. Started taking anti-anxiety medications and still did not like know very much about borderline personality disorder until I was actually told I might have it. Tell me about your first panic attack. I went to go see Inception with one of my ex-boyfriends and we were in the movie theater and something about the moment where Leonardo DiCaprio's character turns to the woman who was his wife in the show said something that got incepted into her head and she killed herself. You know, she jumped out that window Mm -hmm. during that time. It reminded me of manipulation that I had dealt with, with my other ex-boyfriend in high school and the whole scene of like feeling like somebody's manipulating you, knowing somebody's manipulating you, plus having like a personality disorder that I don't know about yet, plus like being like a college student, plus just trying to get through life and dealing with everything I've dealt with. All of that compounded at the same time. I got really hot and I was just like, I need to go. And I jumped up, walked to the theater he ran after me. I turned around and I looked at him and I was like, I think I'm dying. And I fell to the ground. Like I just fell back and like possibly blacked out. Don't remember it that well. But when I got back up, I started like hyperventilating and I couldn't breathe. And he like got me like a glass of water and I took the water and I dumped it over my head. Mm. And then I was fine. Nobody tells you that it like, that you literally like, think you're dying. And if you're a hypochondriac, like I am, like, I thought I was having a brain aneurysm. I thought it was over. I really did. 15 years after taking that online quiz, Bertina finally sees a therapist who sees something in her that the others don't. It was the first Black therapist I've ever gone to. And so I was 27. My boyfriend had just cheated on me. 
I was dealing with a lot. I still have a drinking problem. Still like, just like not feeling, you know, I just didn't ever feel 100% at all. And I was sitting with her and I, you know, this is my third session with her. And she looks at me. She was just like, has anybody ever told you that you might have, uh, it's called borderline personality disorder. And I literally was just like, listen, I know that I have borderline personality disorder. And I was like, I can't tell you what, how, because you think it's ridiculous. And then she was like, well, how? And I was like, I took this quiz when I was 12 years old and I am positive, like 100%. So then over that year, I went through all the proper channels to take like a mental health assessment and really figure out like what was like the leading outlier of what was going on with me. And it's borderline personality disorder. What was the process of getting a real diagnosis and how long does that take? For me, it was more expensive the route that I went through. There's like a mental health assessment you can take and it's like $300, um, at least here in Minnesota. So I took one of those. It was a really long assessment. And then I had to go to like a psychologist and that's not my primary therapist or my primary counselor, but those, those are the channels that I had to go through. And so it was pretty expensive and it took me a couple of, maybe seven months. Yeah. So when you get the diagnosis, what does that feel like to have it be official? And what does it also mean for you or to you in that moment? I was so relieved. Like I was so happy because I was like, I knew there was something going on. Like most people are devastated and I understand why because the stigma and what comes with having borderline personality disorder, like there are some pretty like awful, grotesque, like mean things out there about people who have BPD. And so for me, I was just like, okay, well now I can start to really figure out how I'm going to live with this, what I'm going to do. And for me, it's always been easier to accept something when I've always known in my heart that it was like a true thing. We'll be right back. everyone. I have a podcast suggestion for you. If you like the sound of two women talking, which is my favorite sound, it's called listening to the forever 35 podcast. Am I still 35? No, but I was when the show started six years ago. There are six years of episodes. Hosts and best friends, Kate Spencer and Dory Shafrir talk to listeners about everything. It's a real comfort listen. Find Forever 35 wherever you listen to this podcast. Hey, 
It's hard to say why it took Bertina so long to get a diagnosis, but it's worth noting that BPD is very hard, notoriously hard, to diagnose because the symptoms mirror other diagnoses like anxiety or bipolar or depression and because it sometimes even exists alongside those same conditions. According to the National Alliance on Mental Health, it's one of the most commonly misdiagnosed mental health conditions, so much so that we can't even accurately say how many people may have it. When you find out that you have borderline, how does it recolor like you kicking the mirror off a car or you abusing alcohol or you, you know, wanting to like cut your friends off for dodgeballing against you, what does it sort of do for your your past selves? For me, it didn't validate my past self because I'm one of those people that I need to take responsibility for the things I've done in my life, regardless of whether I knew what was going on or not. For me, it just gives me a different lens into those actions. And so I'm able to see them from a way of like, being able to forgive myself. Cause you know, like I can never ask a bunch of those people for forgiveness. I should say I can ask them, but I can't expect them to forgive me, you know, but what I can do is forgive myself for some of my actions. What I can do is understand that I can do better and understand that now I can go out and get the tools to begin to do better and make sure a lot of those things don't happen again or happen quite less frequently. For a lot of people, getting a BPD diagnosis is heartbreaking. And Bertina understands why. One of the first videos that I ended up looking up about borderline personality disorder, it ended up being um, why you should never date anyone with borderline personality disorder. And this guy was just like, talking about how like this woman was likely to kill him in his sleep. He was talking about how like she was like a manipulator. Um, He talked about how like they don't have any emotion and all these things are, especially the emotion and the manipulation aren't true. And they're not how like the inner workings of somebody with BPD's brain processes. Mm. And it's the first thing you found. Yeah. Like, which has to feel horrible. Yeah. And so I can't imagine people who weren't relieved, you know, and that's like, and they were already upset about the diagnosis. I can't imagine them going to the internet and reading something like that. That devastates me and that upsets me because there's so many things out on the internet sometimes that people just like throw out there without any thought. They do throw it out there because it's so easy to do in a world where so many people have access to the internet and also because videos and articles like these are, you know, they're they're content. When this world ends and we're being studied by whatever life form comes next, they are going to look at how we gave everyone an internet connection and be like, oh yeah, uh, that's where we went wrong. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Making everyone feel like the star of their own reality show. That was the mistake. Because videos like that, that Bertina's talking about, they get likes and views and subscriptions, and they perpetuate people's worst fears about other people and about themselves. Not all women are going to behave like that. There's a lot of women 
um, who are a lot more sane and rational than the BPD woman, okay? And you don't know crazy until you've been with the BPD. And if you're a person who's already struggling with relationships, struggling with impulsivity and mental stability, and you see a video that validates all the worst fears you already have about yourself, that you're unlovable, that you're not worth having a, any kind of relationship with, of course you don't want to have that diagnosis. Some people I've known are just like, I'm just going to isolate myself. Like some people I've met with BPD, they're like, I don't want friends. I don't want family. I'm just going to isolate myself because there are parts of BPD that do make it hard for you to have those relationships. So when you have something confirming those thoughts. One of the myths about BPD is that it cannot be treated, that people with BPD are just destined to be how they are. Bertina actually made an Instagram video about this. BPD myth three. There is no recovery or remission for borderline personality disorder. False. Collaborative longitudinal personality studies actually found that one out of four patients will experience remission out of a two-year period. After 10 years, 85% achieve remission for 10 years or longer. So in other words, never give up hope. It's been four years since Bertina's diagnosis. And in those four years, she's acquired tools to help her navigate life with BPD. So we do DBT skills. There's a lot of mindfulness in there. There's a lot of acronyms that you can use to calm yourself down. Once in a while, I make up my own acronyms to calm myself down or to find other ways to cope. Uh, one of the things that I've learned that really works for me because uh, BPD and all mental illness is not like a one size fits all. Like even some of the things in in my story that happened with me, probably it might not have happened with other people with BPD, but um, some of the feelings will be the same. Some of the themes will be the same. DBT stands for Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. It's a type of therapy that was actually developed specifically for people with borderline personality disorder by a psychologist named Marsha Linehan, who had struggled with her own BPD. I just read her memoir, Building a Life Worth Living, and desperately tried to get her on the show, but she's not giving interviews right now. And honestly, it made me respect her even more. She is busy. She's got things to do. If you want to know about her and her work, I would read that book. I read her memoir because I'm a fan of Marsha. I'm a fan of dialectical behavioral therapy. You don't need a BPD diagnosis to benefit from DBT. And I know that for a fact because I went through a DBT skills group last year and I don't have BPD. And it was that group, those skills, those workbooks, some of the most transformative therapeutic experiences I've ever had. I truly feel like it is just life skills everyone needs. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree with that. And that's why when I'm talking about DBT or when I'm talking about like these different acronyms for mindfulness, different acronyms for help, uh, different experiences, sometimes I don't talk about them from the lens of somebody who has BPD. Sometimes I talk about them from a human being because all of us have these struggles and there are so many things that all of these therapy practices can help all of us, you know, like people with depression, anxiety, uh, bipolar, borderline, um, NPD. A lot of people can be helped with a lot of these things. And I'm still hoping that there's more research on everything that's going on with personality disorders. And so there'll be even more ways to help. 
But I think we all have to just kind of work with what we have now as well. But one of the things that works really well for me is talking to myself out loud. Um, For instance, I had a pretty severe BPD episode on Sunday where I was crying and screaming and I wanted to go back to some of my old like self-harm habits. And what I ended up doing was I ended up like balling up like I just like balled myself up on the ground and I said to myself and from the outside looking in people would be like what is this girl doing you know derogatory words like crazy would come out like oh what's going on with her but um I balled myself up and I was just like you're gonna get through this you're gonna get through this like Bertina you're gonna get through this I need you to breathe I need you to calm down I need you to relax I need you to relax your mind and I said that to myself like as many times as I could to calm myself. And that's one of the first things I've done that's actually like instantly worked. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I have a podcast suggestion for you. If you like the sound of two women talking, which is my favorite sound, it's called listening to the Forever 35 podcast. Am I still 35? No, but I was when the show started six years ago. There are six years of episodes. Hosts and best friends Kate Spencer and Dori Shafrir talk to listeners about everything. It's a real comfort listen. Find Forever 35 wherever you listen to this podcast. Bertina has been making online content about BPD for a while now, openly sharing about her diagnosis and about myths surrounding BPD. Depression and anxiety they unfortunately also have become this buzzword, which makes them like less serious, especially like the mental health influencers. I'm not an influencer, by the way. I would like to make that clear and known because like I hate being called a mental health influencer. But um, the mental health influencers have that whole thing where it's just like, take this CBD today for your anxiety. And it's just like, okay, like the CBD pills, like, come on. Like that's, it's it's exhausting to watch. And so- I mean, it's hard for me to talk about it in the first place. Like the only reason I ended up talking about it was because I went to a very lovely human, um, one of my fiance's ex coworkers and was just like, Hey, I want to do like an article on mental illness. I'm going to talk about anxiety and depression. It was three years ago. And I was like, can I interview you? And then like, yeah, aren't you going to talk about like your BPD too? I noticed that you like made like a very like small comment about having BPD. And I was like, no. And they were like, well, why not? And then they said, well, I'm going to when you're ready. And like, see, here I am. I'm getting emotional again because they were just like, so like, okay, like, okay with themselves, you know? And they were okay with, themselves despite like all the messed up things people say about people with BPD on the internet. And that inspired me to my core 
And I didn't talk about it right away. And I didn't talk about it, you know, even that month or those next couple of months. But when I was ready to talk about it and people just like loved on me about it, you know, like nobody was like, oh my God, you're going to grab a knife and you're going to start stabbing up all your friends and fam. Like nobody said anything like that. Like everyone was just like, yeah, we support you. Oh, what is that? Is it like a multiple personality disorder? No, that's different. Oh, okay. Can you tell me more? You know, like people just had like questions and it really, um, it just really showed me that, you know, humanity can also be very kind. Hmm. People can be very kind. Part of this sharing is not just sharing her experiences, but trying her best to break down some of that stigma. Two tips for BPD self-harm management. One, the rubber band or hair binder trick. Gently snap on the arm as many times as needed. Two, the tape trick. Peel off and re-stick tape. It's one thing for strangers to be nice to strangers when they don't have to interact with that person in real life, in real time. Would those same people be so kind to Bertina in the real world? When you talk about people wanting to, like, you know, pull back from their relationships, their families, like, I can see this kind of disorder being used to invalidate a lot of, like, valid criticisms or valid reactions to things too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like there are times we react that are extremely valid, but because we have this disorder, people are letting us know that it's not valid. So like, it's like, let's say like, um, my best friend made up some like ridiculous lie and I found out she was lying. And now I'm like, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you lying? Oh, Bertina, are you getting hyped up? Cause this is your BPD. Now she would never, my best friend would never say anything like that, but the example still stands. A lot of people in your life might say things like that to you just because of the fact that you have borderline personality disorder. And that's another part about why we need to break the stigma that comes with borderline personality disorder, because BPD isn't always operating on like the aggressor, you know, like we're not always the aggressor we can still have borderline personality disorder and still be the victim as well. I think that's also like one of the risks of disclosing something like this, right? Like, well, then will this be weaponized against me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I say to people, practice discernment and do what you're comfortable with. For me, I'm comfortable with talking about it because I'm also at a place where I know my truth. I know myself and I know when I'm being authentic. And I know when my feelings are authentic and I've gotten to almost a place where I can see when like it's the BPD playing out. And so that's why I can tell people because when people use it against me, I'm like, okay, well, no, it's not my BPD today. You're just being trash. Like that's what you're doing. So. One of the myths around BPD, which Bertina saw in that YouTube video she found years ago is that people with BPD can't have healthy romantic relationships. But Bertina is in one. She's engaged to her fiancé, Jared. How did you have that conversation with him? And what did he know? Are you the first like person with borderline personality disorder he's ever known? 
I am the first person with borderline personality disorder he's ever known. And I told him in the first week <laughs> because, but the reason why is because I was just like, at that point in my life, I was just being honest, like really brutally honest with everyone about everything in my life. So I was like, look, I still live with my ex-boyfriend. We're not together though. He sleeps like in his car or something somewhere. I'm messy. I lied about this part though. I told him I was only messy because of the breakup. I'm just actually just a messy person. And then I was like, I have borderline personality disorder. That means like I am prone to mood swings. I'm probably an alcoholic, most likely, at least currently. And like Jared is my 15th or 16th relationship. And at the beginning of our relationship, like we broke up quite a few times uh, because having borderline personality disorder is hard to deal with, not only for you, but for your partner. Um, it was hard. You know, it was hard for him. He's never dealt with anybody with a personality disorder or anything like that. And we had to go to couples counseling. We're not even married yet. But I would say if you're going to be in a relationship with somebody with BPD, One, they have to be doing the work. They have to be going to therapy. They have to be doing their DBT skills. They have to be doing things like diary cards, talking out loud, whatever works for them. Embodying in the work isn't just for Bertina, but for both her and Jared. This is a video that Bertina made on Instagram. People be like, Bertina, how do you maintain a relationship while having BPD? I'm going to tell you. Couples counseling. Why is everyone always like, hey, I'll go to couples counseling when I have problems? Go to couples counseling now. Couples counseling not only offers a party that is not one of your friends who's just gonna take either one of y'all's side, it also makes the other person see where you're coming from. My partner learned how to better deal with my mental illness, but I also learned a lot about my partner. Also, it's not too early to go to couples counseling. If y'all are in love, go now to give your relationship a fighting chance. One of the things I like to ask our guests, especially guests who have mental illnesses or personality disorders or cognitive differences is what is it like being inside your brain? And it's obviously not an easy question to answer because we've only ever existed inside of our own brains. And it's not always easy to articulate what makes our brain different from someone else's because everything we do and say and feel is filtered through our own experiences, our own thoughts, our own personal kaleidoscope. But I asked Bertina anyway. I actually love this question because, you know, like people uh, made fun of the fact that I don't have thick skin or anything like that. I'm actually extremely grateful for that part of BPD because my empathy, sometimes it's painful, but it's like sometimes it does feel like a superpower because there are some things that don't affect people, that deeply affect me, and it makes me want to fight for them. So um, a good example was like literally today, right before I jumped on here. I posted this video I made about like people using crackhead energy as like a term, like being like, oh, you have crackhead energy, da 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 da. And how that's not funny. Crack has affected people, especially disproportionately in the Black community because of like the crack epidemic. And so that was in the 1980s, uh, lasting until the 1990s. And then that happened to the war on drugs where they were able to uh, incarcerate more Black men um, and Black women. 
and Black non-binary people as well. And so just putting that idea out there and talking about like how that deeply affects like me because I feel that, like I can feel the other people's pain that they've been through and anything that's derogatory, I can feel that. I can put myself in somebody else's shoes and be like, what if somebody called me that and I was going through that? And so it makes me so much more empathetic and it makes it easier for me to fight these things and for me to fight against people and be like, no, you're wrong. Even if it makes me extremely emotional, it exhausts me. I get tired. I cry when I battle people because I also don't like confrontation. It's very hard for me. But that empathy is so beautiful to me. And it's something that I have learned to just like hold on to and really love about having BPD. This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. Um, I'm Nora McInerney. Uh, Bertina is at the Bertina on Instagram. That's at T-H-E-B-R-E-T-T-I-N-A. Marsha Linehan and her book, Building a Life Worth Living, are, I think we'll link those in the show notes. Uh, you can also go to psychologytoday.com to look for practitioners um, and sort by DBT or Google DBT group near me. Um And then, you know, you guys know, you guys should know that uh, I'm Nora McNerney, that our production team is Marcel Malikibu. It is Jacob Maldonado Medina. It is Jordan Turgeon. It is Megan Palmer. Uh, We are a production of APM Studios at American Public Media. The executives in charge are Lily Kim. It's Alex Shafford. It's Joanne Griffith. Our executive producer is Beth Perlman. I did not record this in my closet. I recorded it in a whole different closet, okay? I am sitting cross-legged on the floor. My legs have fallen asleep. They will... I may, I, I don't know how, I did not know legs could be this asleep. I forgot I had legs. Um, I think the days of being able to sit cross-legged on a concrete floor are behind me. Uh, or they are ahead of me because I will never, ever be able to stand again. Um, thank you for listening. You are the best. You can call and leave us voicemails if you want. 612-568-4441. You can email us, podcast at noraborealis.com. We appreciate you. Thanks for being here.